Hello, church. I, I love Advent. It's my favorite time of the year, and looking forward to celebrating that with you here Christmas Eve at 5 o'clock for our service. Also, next week, we will continue our walking into Advent with uh, the third verse of O Holy Night. I'm going to let them clear here, and Mark will eventually find out that youth and enthusiasm is no match for old age cunning and experience, but... I think the only reason he feels safe to do this is he knows I won't be here when he's 62. So um, I, I, might, I might be in a home somewhere going, there's something I was supposed to do today. <laughs> one of the fun things about Christmas songs is one of the oddest things about Christmas songs, and that is we don't know them. They play continually, on and on and on, from the 1st of November. And if you listen to Trans-Siberian Orchestra, you're allowed to listen to them all year round. The problem is, when we hit the second verse, if you don't have the words up there, it falls apart. We went to uh, the Franktown Open Hearts Lights last night and took two of our grands through, and they were having a grand time of it. And then we, we hit the bed. There's a whole display there of the 12 the days of Christmas. You may not like the songs, but the lights were amazing. So we, uh, we made a terrible tactical error of trying to sing. And um, we're... We're going through with the windows down, looking, is, right, is that a swan? I'm not sure. That could be a geese. That would be a whole different verse there. Uh, and and, and we're, the only thing we could ever, we were devolving into, until you hit the five golden, we all know that one. With, with great enthusiasm, we fell upon that line. That's just the way it is. Now, some of the times, it's because we tend to have favorite songs, and we we put songs together the way we like to, but in this particular one, and I got to say, Mark and the team did a masterful job here. The second verse is never sung because its phrasing is difficult. You hold some syllables longer than we normally do, and you chop others off, and the reason is, well, there's two reasons. One, it's translated from the French, and so you'll see variations of it according to which word the translator wanted to use, but there's another one, and that is that the rules back then aren't the same as the rules today. It's kind of like the Coventry Carol, which isn't a real big carol in America. It still is in England uh, and, and somewhat in Scotland, sometimes referred to as Lule Lule, uh, if you know that at all. But it starts with an A minor and resolves each verse with an A major, and you're not allowed to do that. It's, it's a crime. But they, back in the 1500s when that was written, that was not, that was not unusual to have those kind of clashing things. So we fall upon the second verse of O Holy Night, and we're wondering what to do with it. I'm so proud that we sang it because there's some good theology in there. Let's, um, let's look at this verse. Led by the light of faith serenely beaming, with glowing hearts by his cradle we stand. O'er the world a star sweetly gleaming, now come the wise men from Orient land. The king of kings lay thus in lowly manger. In all our trials, born to be our friend, he knows our need. Our weakness is no stranger. Behold your king. Before him lowly bend. Behold your king. Before him lowly bend. Today we still stand by the cradle in the light of faith. I believe that we have sufficient evidence to believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. We've gone over that evidence in my almost five years with you. I'm sure we'll go over it again. 
and more and more evidence comes and we, we hone our arguments about why we believe what we believe. But let's not fool ourselves. Any story you choose is a story chosen by faith. None of us were there at the beginning of all things. And yes, there are some scientists that believe that a different story is the way we came about. Other scientists believe that our story is correct and other people just have other ideas. There are a lot of stories and they compete. I've had so many times as working as I do uh, in science and people say, well, why do so many scientists, if, if this has so, got all this evidence, why do so many scientists not believe? And I always like to bring up, that's only true in Europe and North America. In Japan, for example, if you have a PhD in any of the STEM, you know, the science and technology and, and the maths and you know, the engineering, you are more than four times more likely than the common populace to believe in God. The reason it's, un, it's not like that here is our education system weeds out believers aggressively at each of the bars up through. And if you don't know that, uh, come and talk to me because it's, it is very well known in education and considered the right thing to do to weed them out to the point where two University of Kansas professors are trying very hard to get the right to rescind people's PhDs if they believe later. Well, friends, everybody chooses a story, and I wasn't there, and you weren't there. But the evidence and substance of history is plain. Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, as the prophets foretold. And he lived, and he died, and he rose, as they said he would. There were many witnesses, and they attested, and there were eyewitnesses, and they wrote, and they shared the stories. Even when their statements led directly to their deaths, they did not recant, but held firm. As the old song says, this is our story, this is our song. I want you to imagine yourself standing beside the manger. And we're going to explode a few uh, of the wee myths that have uh, accumulated like barnacles on the ship of faith. And one of them is, there is no room in the end, right? You just have to be off over there. We don't care, just be in a barn. No, no, that's, that's not exactly right. Uh, there are some people that say because Joseph forgot to make reservations, that's why it was a, a, a silent, it was a silent night because Mary wasn't going to talk to him, <laughs> At, or let him know what he'd done wrong because that's kind of the game. You have to you have to play the game. Uh, no, people were having to go back to the town that they were their lineage was from, even when there are a lot more of them than there are people in the town. Bethlehem at that time would, would have run about 300, maybe 500 people, but more likely closer to the 300. And now all the kids are coming in. You know what this is like in your house, right? They all come in. And, and you're wondering, well, you know, this didn't seem to be so crowded once upon a time, but it is now. Well, you might say crowded with joy. Yeah, keep that going. Um, <laughs> We have two of our grandsons with us today, and for the first time in my 62 years, I actually uttered the phrase, there is no tickling during the Lord's Supper. So, <laughs> one, there are other phrases I have said this weekend I don't want to repeat at the moment, does not move the, does not move the narrative. Uh, and so, they come back and there aren't rooms. It didn't say, there's no room for you, there aren't rooms. To be placed in with the animals was a plus. 
And we have forgotten this so much. Because in, um, in our culture, we, we want a lot of stuff when we go to a hotel. Hotels are kind of a new idea. Even all the way through the Depression, people who would stop would ask permission, can we sleep in the barn? And that was considered a kind thing to let them go sleep in the barn. And there, the, the, uh, the pump is out here for your water. And here you can lay on the, bale, the bales of hay or the like. People that went from town to town, there weren't hotels. You, uh, you found a farmer and you asked permission to stay. But even more than this, until the, the 1800s in most of the world, barns and houses were connected. And in Bethlehem, as in most of Judea, the barn will be on the bottom and the house on the top. The reason is warmth. Warmth and to keep the animals alive and to keep yourself by the animals. So it was not an act of casting them to the barn. No, they, they, they gave them all the room they had. And so they were in, in the same, under the same roof. You know, the, the, um, the national poet of Scotland, Robert Burns, um, back in 1700s, uh, his house there in Alloway in the southwest of Scotland is still tourable. You can go in and have a look. And as you see, this is the parents' bedroom, and you walk through this door, and this is the barn. Well, they didn't have a door. They would have had, a, like, a cloth come down there. So all the smells and like, and yes, they would wander in from time to time. But that was life. So again, let's, let's, let's give the innkeeper some grace, shall we? He gave them a place. They had a place. They weren't outside. The baby is born. There's not a cradle. You know, we stand before school. There's not really a cradle. Um, and people say, well, they put him, you know, in the manger. Yes, the Bible says that. But the manger where the cattle eat is also where the hay is. And that's the softest place out there. I've had people even do sermons to try to make you feel sorry for, for Jesus because he had to make a bed in the hay. And I'm going, I've done that. Right? Uh, and many of you that go on mission trips would have wished for hay instead of the, 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 uh, the bug-ridden, muddy ground that you had to sleep on. But also remember, the shadow of the cross fell over this, this little boy. And um, that makes this O Holy Night really important and important to get right. There's another thing going on. It's been going on like four years now. Facebook blows up with it every year. They hate the song, Oh, Mary, Did You Know? In fact, there's even memes where Batman and Robin, and I don't know why, but Robin is starting to say, oh, Mary, do you know? And Batman's slapping him, saying, of course he did. Read Luke 1. I work for God, and I'd like to ask you to stop that. That's ridiculous. It really is. Did Mary know a lot? Well, absolutely. Absolutely. Let me just ask any of you that are physicians uh, or lawyers. Did they tell you that school was going to be hard? Oh, yeah. When you got in, was it harder than you thought? Yeah. But we couldn't say, oh, you knew it was going to be hard. Well, we knew that was in theory. Now, or having a baby. <laughs> uh, that, you, know, it, it, you knew it gonna, you're going to be challenged and pushed a bit. Did you know how much? How about being a long-distance trucker? You've thought about, I'd like to drive. and I'll... Then you start doing it. And there it's harder than you thought. How about being a, a Marine or 
an airman or a soldier and they tell you it's going to be tough and you go through boot camp and they'll say it's going to be tough and then you're deployed, deployed and you go, I didn't know it was going to be this tough. Mary knew, but she didn't know. Can we just allow the song to go? It's the only hit Mark Lowry had. We need to let him have one. His greatest hit CD is only this big. And we really, he's a nice guy, by the way. Um, and you would love him if you met him. And, and Buddy Green, who many of us know because he lives right around here, um, he, he helped him write it. So let's sing the song, not now. And... Um, be aware that knowing something doesn't mean you really know it until you go through it. And the seriousness of this little girl, I mean, the words used for her were only used for people about 12 to 15. Um, this is a wee girl. And she, is, she has now been placed into a hard life. And I would like for you to recognize her struggle, admire her for her courage and her struggle, and do not be afraid to speak highly of Mary at every single opportunity. Give her the grace that she gave all of us by being faithful to the story. And let's do another myth while we're doing it. That's why the kitties can't be here. Uh, the man who killed Christmas. No, I love Christmas. I just like to get the story right. But politicians do this. Every, and, and, and pressure groups do this every Christmas. They'll do, Jesus was homeless. No, he wasn't. He was on a trip. There's a big difference. They had a home. They were on a trip because the government made them go on one. Because back then to do a census, they didn't send people around. You had to come. You had to come, to, and, and they had the swords, so you, you came. And so they all came back there. He was not homeless. He was not uh, a refugee. I hear that as well. No. Was he poor? Yes. Now, you got that one. They were very, very poor. And the only reason we know this, because it doesn't say, and they were very poor. Not yet. It's when they go to the temple to offer a sacrifice for the birth of a son, we see them offering the cheapest, lowest cost option available. And that was only available to the very, very, very poor. And so, yeah, yeah, they were poor. And Jesus always had a great heart for the poor. So we're, we're good there. And again... They're in an annex to the house. Think of Grapes of Wrath, 1940s America, and all the, and Depression. They're, they're doing all right. But they've come to this hamlet, the small village. It's their ancestral home. They're very, very low on funds. Mary gives birth. And I love nativity scenes about all this, but it wasn't nearly as pretty and sweet as it looks. Those of us that have witnessed a birth aren't that joyful. And don't want a picture of it on the front lawn. We just don't. We don't. And we don't, we don't want the picture of, of what it looks like for this. We, we want to sweeten it up. And so we even make the animals talk. You know, and they're going, oh, this is a great thing, isn't it? Yes, we always knew about this. And then a kid shows up with a drum and everybody likes him. You know, that's <laughs> unlikely. That's unlikely. I have had, I've said, shh, I don't know how many times this weekend alone, and I got my own back, uh, actually. Uh, when the prayer started, uh, my little three-year-old Ollie, with his eyes closed, turned to me and goes, shh. I wasn't saying it. Shh. Okay, now I'll go quiet. Um, so I, I got to be nice to him. He's probably going to pick the nursing home. Um, 
Let's, let's go to the next slide. I want to go to this next story. This, uh, Matthew picks it up, picks it up uh, about what happens later. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. By the way, the word there is sadiq, righteous. He was declared a righteous man. And yet, did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. Let's just, it, this is not a pretty thing, but it was a legal thing at the time. It, to be righteous, you could not have a wife that was sexually promiscuous, even with you. And therefore, not wanting to haul her out and say, well, it wasn't me. Uh, he wanted to do this in a private way somehow so that she would not be publicly shamed. you got to give Joseph huge kudos for this. He didn't know what to do. He wanted to do what God wanted him to do. He wasn't being mean. He wasn't being a jerk. He was trying to find the best way to show love to Mary and to God. But after he'd considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now, by the way, he didn't give him the name Jesus because the name Jesus means save them from their sins. It, it really doesn't. What he's saying is you've got to keep him and you're going to name him and you're going to stay in this relationship because this baby's important. This, this baby is Emmanuel, as Luke would um, expand upon the story. Because Luke, if you read Luke carefully, he obviously sat down and interviewed Mary several times because he's the only gospel writer that speaks of what she was thinking and writes what she said in private. And so he has a bit of an expansion on this. All right, taking a look at all of this, it all took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now we talked about this when we were looking at the creeds. So if you don't know about how we treat the word virgin and all this, please go back and take a look at the creeds uh, because we just finished that series and there's one that deals specifically with, these, with this, this passage. Um, Let's take a, a look. Do we have the Matthew 2 passage 1 through? Uh, we, we got that. Here's where Jesus becomes a rest, refugee. You know, when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream that they will get to the they. Get up, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod's coming to search for the child to kill him. So he got up and he took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. Now, here once again, pressure groups and politicians love to use this. Now say, see, they were refugees that had to find a way into another country. That's not the way this worked on any level. Back then, borders were not so much a line in the sand as a we're crossing over into the territory of the protection of. But that's not even it. There had been a Jewish community in Egypt by the time Jesus was born for nearly 700 years. A large community, a thriving community of Jews. If you would like to read more about this, you can look up and, and spell the word elephant, elephantine elephant, I-N-E. There's an island 
Elephantine Island, where they found the Elephantine papyri, uh, 175 documents that are like a digest. They collect hundreds of other documents all about the life of Jews in Egypt for nearly, the, the community lasted nearly 2,000 years. It was only wiped out in the modern age when uh, Islamists, when they took control of Egypt for a time, specifically drove them out. That, that was their plan uh, to, to drive the Jews out. But again, they would have just been going to be with their kin in Egypt. It'd be rather like me going back to Scotland or Ireland or some of you going back to foreign lands like Ohio and Michigan <laughs> where they talk funny, I am told. By the way, there is a temple, uh, the ruins of a temple, obviously, by this time, on Elephantine called the House of Yahweh. Only three known house, um, temples called the House of Yahweh on the planet. So they had support. You remember Jeremiah? Jeremiah was taken to Egypt. A whole bunch, we don't know if he made it, he might have died on the road, but he went there. Now, what has happened? The wise men show up. Now, they didn't show up on the night of his birth because they, well, they, they didn't. The Bible says they arrived later and came to the house where he was. At that, then they give them gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And I know you're thinking, what terrible gifts to give a kid. But if you look it up, they're actually quite valuable for the time. So much so that the next time Joseph and Mary are seen, they are people of means. They have a lot. They're not going to be rich, but they're upper middle class from the descriptions given them. And they have a lot more than the average person when it comes to sacrifices and the like. But this was not um, an unalloyed blessing. Because the wise men that came, the magi, uh, is really the right word for them, means the guys that study and know stuff, basically. And magicians, that, that word comes from that, but it's not really the same concept. These were the students, the scholars. These are dark and troubling times, and here they come, and they ask Herod for help to find the new king, which makes you wonder how smart they were, or that they didn't know about Herod, because Herod, everybody, everybody in Judea and Palestine knows Herod was evil with a capital evil, uh, but they didn't. And then, of course, we, we have the slaughter of the innocents, which, by the way, to loop back, Coventry Cam, uh, the Coventry Carol is about the slaughter of the innocents and the women of Bethlehem crying. That's another reason why it's not perhaps one of the great top hits on, on radio, but it's, um, it's certainly worth studying and putting yourself in their position. Um, this won't make it any better. Bethlehem being a small place, the number of children killed would not have gone more than five or six. But still, we can't say, oh, well, that's all right then. It's still absolutely dark. Now, I'd like to blow up another and um, perhaps forestall. People, I've had people bringing me books, DVDs, articles, all my, my speaking life on the Star of Bethlehem. And they finally figured out what that thing is. All have been convinced that they have found a solid scientific historical reason and that this one really does it and you've you got to listen to this one and this will make atheists want to believe in Jesus. It, it it won't. It won't. Love draws people. Arguments about stars don't. So we can let's just lay that one aside. What we do know is that they came from modern-day Iraq and Iran. Here they come. 
It took them a while to get there. Perhaps two years, maybe three, because that was the window that Herod was putting it in as when the star appeared and how long they got there. Why would it take them so long? Because you don't just walk the desert with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You have to have a caravan and you've got to have armed guards and you've got to get permission to travel within territories. It was a big deal. This would have been a large group of people coming in. So that's why we don't put them all in the nativity. We just don't need that many speaking parts with toddlers. So, but, and, and, so I, and by the way, the wise men could have numbered two and it could, uh, of the crowd. And it could have numbered 200. The only reason we put the three in there is because three gifts. And we assign one gift per person. We don't ever think about the whole office might have gone on on this one. That's... Or like husbands, whenever wives, I feel for you. I really do. Because um, you'll be around the Christmas tree and the mom, the guy's mom, will start to open a present. She'll go, oh, this is lovely. And the guy's leaning over going, did, what, did we get her that? And so it's a weird elastic use of the word we, but yeah, we did. Um, these gifts came, they studied astronomy. They studied astrology. They didn't know the difference back then. And they expected a king to be born, and he went on that trip, and that is rather amazing. It was a dangerous trip. But something in their knowledge told them the king will be born. Now think about this for a while. Something in their, perhaps did they learn it from Jews that were sometimes guests and sometimes prisoners in those lands? Did they learn it elsewhere? We don't really know, frankly. But Jesus has a very odd expression. If we can bring that up. Slide four, I think it's supposed to be. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. He's speaking to Jews. He goes, I've got others. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. There will be one flock and one shepherd. That still gives me goosebumps, by the way. The thought of other people were looking for him too. Others were searching the signs. I do believe in a star of some sort. I'm just not that worried about what it, what it was. Comet or collision of four or five stars or what. I don't care. It's, it's kind of like whenever people argue about the ark a lot. And they'll try to say, well, now a, a grown cheetah needs this much square feet. And I'm going, you know, you've missed the point of the story. Let's, let's not, I have, uh, Fenn is with us as well. He's seven years old. It's a very scientific mind, which I love. And he and I do science together, but it's very hard to tell him a story because he wants details. They had a house. Well, how big was that house? That's not important to the story. Well, it might be. Why don't you let me figure that out for myself, granddad? No. Um, you know, and, and we have, and one story can take quite a while, uh, actually. It should be a reality show. But the Druids claim in uh, the northern climes of, of Europe, everybody thinks of Wales and England, but they were, um, they were elsewhere as well. They claimed that they had always been looking for him. And when St. Columba brought the gospel to Scotland and told the Picts the story, he was surprised to see them starting to rejoice and saying, we have long been waiting for him. Who knows where God has gone? Who knows what God has done? But Paul would speak to a king 
in Acts 26, 26 and say this. The king is familiar with these things. And I can speak freely to him. I am convinced that none of these things escaped his notice because it was not done in a corner. The kings had said, you're going crazy. And he goes, you know about these things. You have heard of these things. These things are real. The song goes on to rejoice in the fact that Jesus knows our weakness and our personal experience in them. Let's bring that up. Hebrews puts it this way. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Choose your story. Keep your story. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let's go to them. Let's go to God. We can trust God. Listen to this phrase. Remember this phrase. Because he approached us, we can approach him. Because he approached us, we can approach him. You don't know the rules of royalty and there's no reason for you to need to. You won the war, got it. But if you ever saw movies about American presidents or dignitaries are like coming to speak to the, um, the queen or even new prime ministers, the British have to learn these rules as well. They will be told you will stand here until she moves here. You do not speak unless she speaks to you. Whenever you, you know, it, there are a lot of rules here. You might be going, oh, those are all ridiculous. They were the rules of the world for thousands of years. Back here too. And our king approached us. And it was in the most innocuous form possible. A baby named Jesus, which was the most common name given to we boys at that time. Jesus and Jacob and Joshua are pretty much the same name. So it's like God comes up, looks at you and says, just call me John. Just call me Bob. Wow. And that's what happened on a holy night. Had he not approached us, we would have never had it. Never had access to God. Never been able to pray. Never been able to get a response back from our God and our King. Can you even imagine being in that state? of being unable to access our king, our father, unable to speak to him in prayer, unable to ever dream of salvation and grace. Well, I can't. And there's not that much reason for you to try because our God approached us. Would you stand, please? The last lines of this verse give us a timely reminder when we see the baby Jesus portrayed in nativity scenes and songs and movies, remember, behold your king before him lowly bend. As the phrase in silent night reminds us, Jesus, Lord at thy birth. Our Savior and our Lord came to us one holy night 
May we enter Advent with our eyes wide open and our hearts ready to receive.